episode because right now it's life and death at yellow as Matthew Leffler so eloquently tweeted about 25 minutes ago in fact he and I were just listening to their uh, trial that was going on in Kansas City right now and the story gets weirder before we can even get into it everyone got kicked out of that trial phone call about 10 minutes ago or five minutes ago because people wouldn't mute their phones there's too much noise in the background so we're just about to get to a verdict and the judge kicks us all out. But I still have people monitoring it, keeping abreast of it, maybe getting into that secondary line. So we'll give you um, the answers on there. But before we get into what goes on in the courtroom, let me just show you what it's like today at Yellow. We have a couple videos. Today is Friday. Well, right now, the only thing we could do is just wait and see what happens. I mean, we hoping that the company just paid the $50 million they owe to the to the fund, I mean, is due. I mean, after all, just receives over seven hundred million dollars. No one can explain what happened to that money. We got one more too. This is over in a terminal where I heard loads have been way down. I heard there's only a hundred loads today. There's usually like a thousand. Take a look. So, fellas, fellas, what y'all think about today being the last day of yellow if they don't pay that fifty million dollars? No answer. No answer? Sad, Sad. I gave, I gave this company over 30 something years of hard work, labor, surgeries, and all kind of stuff. Hurt myself from the job. And to come down to this right here. What can you do, man? It's sad, man. It's crazy. Good morning. Good morning. How you doing? Comes down to this. You heard him say it. Today's episode is sponsored by Last Mile Delivery Leader Freight. When you need the best Last Mile Delivery drivers and vehicles, look to Freight. Sign up and get your first three deliveries free up to $300. Go to Freight.com and use code FIRST3FREE. That's Freight, F-R-A-Y-T.com. Now, we have an awesome panel to talk about what's going on right here. we got Michael Bookout, co-founder at Carrier TMS. We've got Todd Maiden, editor at Freightways, Matthew Leffler, the armchair attorney, and Zach Strickland, the market analyst, the Sultan of Sonar, over here at Freightwaves. Let's bring these gentlemen up. Let's talk about this. Any second now. Here we go. Here we go. I gotta. We gotta do the zoom in effect. Hey, you guys all look great. What's happening? Let's talk. What's up, Matthew? We were just listening to that trial. I just got back from Nashville for the Reliance Partners uh, Trucking Matters Summit, and I get this idea of this temporary restraining order being argued right now, right now. If they don't get this restraining order, yellow is bankrupt. It's gone by next week. They made that clear, and this wasn't like the Teamsters who made that clear. This was yellow themselves who were making that abundantly clear during what we were able to hear during that trial. We've got Todd Maiden here. Todd, you have been covering this from the ground up. What's your take on yellow today on Friday? Yeah, I mean, this... This really has become crunch time for the company. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't. We, we, we kind of had the arguments laid out, uh, you know, from Yellow, and then we were starting to hear from the defense, the Teamsters, uh, before we got cut off. But yeah, I mean, it, it sounds kind of a rehash of what we reported in the past. Um, but but yeah, it's definitely, you know, like it, like it was just said. If there is a strike, the company is gone. The, their attorney made that very clear, and then the. Uh, the restraining order that they're seeking in court today, uh, restraining order and preliminary injunction uh, to, to block that strike at midnight, is, is, it sounds like this is their last, last card to play. 
And it didn't sound, I don't know how much you heard of that trial, but it didn't sound, even from the yellow side, it didn't sound like the prospects for this company were that great. He was like, well, yeah, it'll buy us a little bit of time. Yeah. And that was, that was the interesting part because the second part of that, if there is a strike, the company is gone is at least this gives us some possibility to survive. Uh, so, and you know, we've certainly heard a lot over the last several weeks, uh, shippers diverting freight, intermediaries, 3PLs, removing them as a carrier option. Uh, and then rumors have certainly ramped up today and we've been getting inbound, uh, you know, everything from customers going to pick up their freight at a facility to, uh, you know, just deliver freight, no more pickups in the network. So it, I, I, I don't know with their cash position where they were kind of coming into this week that there's really that type of breathing room to essentially move uh, freight at a, a, a very minimal basis over these last few days and, and whatever happens next week. Mike, you are you are an LTL veteran. You're in that global trans mafia. You, yeah. you run uh, my carrier TMS. You know all about this space. What are you seeing with yellow, especially today on Friday, as this news just develops and gets weirder and, and sadder in a lot of ways, too? Well, you know, for us, it's interesting because we get a little bit different of an angle with the multi-billion dollar platform that we built, especially in the SMB market, small to medium-sized businesses. What we've seen over the past month is right around a 10 to 15% shift in the national business. And then more recently in the last two weeks, we've seen more of that regional, super regional push and shift uh, on that business, moving to different carriers. So for us, it's it's been an interesting play out there in the market. Uh, customers are definitely becoming more aware of it. Generally, like we saw first was the large national corporations really take a look at that and start to shift their freight away. Now we're starting to see it hit that SMB market. And I think that's what really scares yellow um, is that day-to-day -day business that they can get out of that SMB market. And as well as that SMB market, they don't want to get their freight stuck in one of these. You know, Some of these guys that have been around in the industry for 20, 25 years remember CF back in 2002. You know, a lot of freight was stuck on those docks, and I don't think they want to relive any part of that moving forward. Yeah, I mean, that's what I on our earlier show today, I was advising drivers. We've seen so many of these, like Celadon, for example. There's so many images and videos of drivers stuck at Greyhound terminals with all their life possessions, their dogs, wh whatever they have. And we're telling employees who work there, mechanics who have their own tools, drivers, make sure you have not just people's freight. I mean, these are, these are what, 22,000 employees we're talking about. Make sure you have your own oh, stuff yeah. covered because, as a lot of people have said, it can take months to get back in these buildings. I got to ask you, though, have you, so you're, are you personally seeing and are you advising people not to put their freight with yellow so one of the things that we stay we stay as a neutral platform so we don't make any decisions for the customers we try to equip them with the best information let them know to make sure that they have relationships that their freight is covered but we're not directing anybody any which way to go because of the neutral platform that we do play with I, I hear you. Zach Strickland you had a great state of freight you covered a lot of this yesterday with our CEO and founder Craig Fuller, are we at the end of the line here for yellow? It sure sounds like it. And if we're not, what, like, what does this mean for the market? Yeah, I think it's a foregone conclusion at this point. I think it's done with regardless of whatever happens tonight or on Monday. Uh, the fact is, is that LTL networks are far more complicated than truckload networks and any disruption or this amount of business being lost uh, loss of faith in general at this point is just, I think it's just too severe to overcome. Uh, the fact that they weren't able to get that $700 million to kind of give them a boost 
through how what was arguably one of the best periods of time for freight during the pandemic when we had this huge boom. And now that the market's turned soft so quickly here over the last year, uh, I don't think that there is really a good shot. I mean, they were having struggles for the previous decade. And without the support of the market behind them, I think it's a pretty clear cut uh, situation that they're already kind of dead in the water. Interesting. Can the court save them, Matthew? They were talking about this Norris LaGuardia Act on that call. Um, and I believe that was the Teamsters who were, who were arguing that one on why that they can strike and they have the legal authority to go do so. I mean, people aren't getting paid here. I mean, they're not getting their benefits paid. They're not getting their pension. Yeah, this is the issue. Um, Yellow has about $100 million cash on hand, and that money is what's going to help them navigate what's happening over the next couple of weeks and months. But to preserve that capital, they had to make a conscious decision to not fund the pension. And what the result of that means is that on Sunday, this Sunday, 11,000 families will lose their health insurance. And so what Yellow is trying to do is saying, look, we understand that we've made a mistake. We understand we will we, we consciously did this. We broke our contract, but we need time. If you strike, we're dead. So what they're trying to do is make a temporary restraining order that will stop the drivers, the Teamsters from you from basically uh, you know striking on Monday. And if they strike Monday, there's no way to come out of this. So what the Teamsters have come back with and said, <clears throat> the exception that you're outlining, no, we still can strike this. What you're talking about, like the fact that there's a contract and a process for making disputes and making strikes. If you don't pay this, we can strike. And we are going to find out probably within minutes if that order is granted. If the temporary restraining order is granted, yellow has some time. How long is anybody's guess? But if they don't get that restraining order, if the teamsters are allowed to strike on Monday, that is it. There is nothing else but bankruptcy. If you're the judge, what do you rule here? Should they be allowed to strike? Oh, man, that's a great question. I think it can go either way. I mean, we're talking about a hundred year old trucking company. Yeah. Yellow was here before they had highways, before they had containerization, before deregulation. This is crazy. 22,000 unionized drivers. I honestly do not know what the outcome is going to be. So when I was listening into that call, it was I was on pins and needles taking notes. This is fascinating. This is an area of the law that many people don't see because the union companies aren't what they used to be. And so we're seeing what is probably the end of an era. Wow. You mentioned CF. Now, this bankruptcy here would be the largest in truckload history. CF used to be. This one would be about twice as large. What kind of impact do you see happening to, to you and your clients? Uh, you know, I see an increase in rates. Um, yeah. Right now, I do believe it is one of the better times for this to happen. It's never good for a carrier to go under, right? Never. Um, but I think that the, the market can absorb it right now. Um, rates are holding strong. They have over the last two years. They've seen a lot of earnings of the public companies that are out there from an LTL transportation perspective. Um, and if you look at their futures, they want to continue to hold that. So I think this plays into the carrier's hands pretty well. Um, I would guess anywhere from a 9 to 12% for contract rates. Um, but the biggest thing is making sure that that small to medium sized customers understand what type of market they're going to be going into, making sure that they are working on the relationships. They have secured those out there, have contracts in place and make sure their freight still gets picked up. Um, that's the biggest thing I think for that SMB market that they really need to focus and pay attention to. Zach, you know, we've talked about freight being pulled, Uber freight, Walmart, Home Depot, the list goes on. Uh, Mike mentioned the percentage of, care of, of freight that's moved out of his network. Can you come back from a downward spiral like this? Like, even if they get this stay, like this bankruptcy, like what, are, what exactly are we saving here? 
Yeah, there, there's there, the likelihood of them pulling out of this downward spiral is extremely low. I, I just I cannot see because LTL's mantra is freight moves freight. <laughs> so if you don't have anything, so you can cut your 8 p.m. Uh, you know truck going from Atlanta to Dallas, uh, the service fails or you lose a ton of money. And neither one of those things are an acceptable outcome uh, for anybody. So it's it's just not they need to have some sort of white night. Craig talked about this yesterday. They're going to have to have some sort of like final hour white night coming on a shining uh, horse to save them from this situation. It's going to have to be kind of a black swan savior uh, that nobody can see coming. I mean, they're going through the processes right now uh, that they, I think they have to go through to try to save things and pull it off the ground. But, you know, uh, we're already seeing, you know, this market is is so soft right now from a truckload and from a uh, less than truckload situation um, that there's just not a lot of reason to think that they're going to have some sort of outside force help float them through the rest of this the cycle. Uh, this is LTL is so sensitive to operational costs and uh, the way that the market turns. It, it's just very, very difficult to control your own destiny here. Todd, you you're fixing to write an article on FreightWaves.com about a white knight savior coming through. You seen anyone out out on the horizon? I, I really don't. Uh, you know, in the past, in '09 uh, and in 2011, they were able to 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 get with the lending group after. In 09, it was, I think, 20 plus amendments to the credit agreement uh, in that the fall of 09, uh, lending group kept giving them a, a, a little bit of breathing room. And then eventually they, they were able to manufacture a debt for equity swap, wiped out the shareholders and, and, and put all of the, the debt holders in, in equity position uh, and holders of the company. But, but this time around, you're talking about a market cap that's, you know, sub 50 million, uh, it, the, the value of the equity isn't much to begin with. The government holds a third of that. Uh, I, you know, if the lending group was going to do something, they should have already done it. it. It's, I hate to say it, but, you know, to everyone's point, you, you can't go through multiple weeks of, of, you know, customers fleeing your network, losing freight in a, you know, hub and spoke and line haul and, and, you know, something that, you know, it, the, the fixed cost nature of the business just capitulates we don't know what that cash burn was. I mean, this month, it, over the last couple of weeks, we knew in excess of 100 million at the end of June uh, on the last SEC filing. But how quickly did that burn when you're talking about, uh, you know, we've heard average daily bills, you know, dropping by by more than half uh, week over week for a couple of weeks now. So and th this was a company that had already lost a third of its network over the last two years, third of its tonnage over the last few years through restructuring. So. I just I can't imagine what that cash burn's been like. And when they say they can't afford the payment, I mean that would put them uh, sub just to central states. Now they have they have payments coming up uh, to the Western Fund and, and and in Pennsylvania to their second and third biggest funds. Uh, but but just for the the missed payment, it's twenty five million to central states. So I I don't know if that speaks precisely to where they are cash wise. I I know the liquidity measure. Per the uh, debt covenant waiver that was granted uh, two Mondays ago, it, it said you had to have liquidity of 35 million, which included credit lines. But yeah, I, I just I don't know who's going to step in front of this now. The, the other thing, the industry is in a good place to to absorb it, but also it, it might be the time to unwind it because the value of industrial real estate is so high right now, and in many markets like the Inland Empire, you can't even enter. You can't build in there. And the, and the rates to pay 
to, to enter it, uh, to get a lease, it, it, it's astronomical, historical. So there is asset value in some of the properties that they still own. They've structured a ton of sale leasebacks over the last couple of decades. But uh, the properties that they own, I mean, I'm sure the lenders are sitting there saying there's a lot of value in this. Some of these properties in the inner cities can't be rezoned, could never be repurposed the way they operate now and have a deep inherent value. So that, that kind of speaks to why I don't see a lender stepping up at this point. I do have an update. Craig Fuller tweeted, Yellow stated in today's filing that they would file Chapter 7 if the Teamsters proceeded with their strike. Now, Todd kind of mentioned, like, they're, they're trying to sound like they're flat-footed. They didn't know this was happening. Mike, is this never cry wolf? I've heard some workers say that. You know, we always hear Yellow's going to die, but it wasn't until this week that we really took it seriously. Do you think that's the case here? It's just this zombie company has had so many near-death experiences. People just weren't. I, take it I think there was so many near, I think you're right on, Timothy. I think there was so many near death experiences with this company. A lot of us were kind of sitting back and waiting to see what was going to happen. And that's why I don't think there was a ton of pressure on yellow to really make what this really was. Now we're really starting to see it. And just like Todd had stated, you know, when you lose half your capacity out there in the market and you still have your same high operating costs, but you don't have the operating revenue coming in, I don't see a way out either. I really don't. This is a tough hill for them to climb. Um, and with that tweet right there, I mean, I think this, I still am hesitant to say it, but I think this is, might be their final, their, their final chapter, which is sad to see because Yellow, like you're stating, it's a hundred-year-old company. Um, there's a lot of pride out there in, in that organization. And, and you're not just talking about Yellow. You're talking about Roadway. You're talking about Holland. You're talking about Redaway, New Penn. Those are great companies that have been around for a heck of a long time um, and, and have done really good business. Yeah, a lot of legacy there, a lot of lineage. We talked to a guy on the show who's a mechanic there, a bloodline, like a lot of freight. His dad worked at Yellow before, worked at YRC beforehand. So this is this is in the family. Let's shift to those employees for a second. Matthew, what, uh, what rights do they have in a situation like this? I mean, this is your, your collective bargaining agreements. You've made these negotiations. You've done this for decades. This is, I'm a family guy from this business. My dad was a roadway guy back in 1976. Roadway and yellow have always been trying to take care of their people. But in this market, in this environment, with $1.3 billion coming up due next year on top of everything else that's going on, there's not much they're going to do. This is why the Teamsters have said, we are going to strike on Monday because you need to pay us. You, we need to have benefits. And the recourse is very small. So at the end of the day, if you want to take care of your people, you have to make these payments. And if yellow's not going to do it, then they're just looking for that breathing room. I think there still is a possibility for a white knight. I look at someone like TFI or maybe Arc Best. They might be able to carve out some of these interesting, great motor carriers inside there. And these drivers, these are professional drivers, professional dock workers, professional mechanics. They've been doing this for a long time, and many of them have had multi-generations with this company. I would hate to see it get worse, but it's probably going to get really messy for a lot of people very soon. Zach, it's uh, let's say it's August 1st today. UPS is on strike, too. How does that change the equation on what we're talking about? Oh, my gosh. UPS is, a, is so many magnitudes uh, more impactful to the greater market uh, itself because of the amount of freight. I mean, you're talking about I mean, everybody I know everybody knows that UPS is a parcel uh, provider mainly, but all of that freight moves on a truck. Uh, they move on truckloads and there's a ton of them uh, that move through the United States. Intermodal, they're, I believe, the number one intermodal customer uh, of a lot of the rails there. So if that happens, you're talking about, you know, they outsource about 15 to 20 percent of their total line haul. And that's the truckload movements or the, the bulk movements between uh, facilities there. And 
if that has to get outsourced and covered, you're talking about a massive potential disruption to what has been a very soft market. And I know the argument is that, well, hey, the market's soft. Can it absorb a bunch of this extra demand? Well, the fact is, is that a lot of this, a lot of the capacity is not in the right position to just simply go in and take over all of this freight movement. And and then there's the whole aspect of what about these people supporting uh, the union, or maybe they don't want to cross the picket lines. Maybe there's some sort of relationship there. Uh, so it's a lot more complicated than just saying, hey, we have 20% excess capacity available in the market, and all of a sudden it will just take on all of this demand. So uh, yellow would be one thing, and I believe we're already feeling kind of the brunt of that impact to the LTL sector itself. We're already seeing rates uh, on our own database kind of shoot up in the second half of June, uh, out of nowhere, as some of these shippers have diverted some capacity to other higher cost carriers and also carriers that they don't necessarily have longstanding contracts with. And I think that's kind of isolated to the LTL sector. And we haven't really seen it show up in the broader market in the sense that truckload rejection rates are shooting up or anything like that. But I think UPS absolutely has a big potential. Craig uh, supported this thought yesterday as well in the way that UBS commands a lot more freight, a lot more power. They, they're they a big part of our overall economy uh, itself. So if that situation were to arise, we do have something there that can disrupt a lot of supply chain. Interesting. Mike, we are in a down market, right? There's got to be carriers out there looking at this wounded gazelle, you know, coughing up blood across the savannah, this hundred-year-old gazelle, hoping it dies so they can feast on the, the body parts. Do you get that impression? I do. I, I think, but they're being cautious on the way that they go approach it. They're being yeah. smart. They're not going in there and cutting rates to go get this business. The business is coming over without them having to cut the rates. I think you're also going to see a lot of that business shift over to a T-Force um, on that, on the uh, T-Force arc best. And I would also go with Roadrunner. Uh, Roadrunner has really grown up a lot over the last year. Uh, they've done a good job over there. So I think you're going to see some of that national business shift over there and then also get those mid-market regionals really involved. So whether that might be a Dayton, a Pitt, Ohio, um, an A. Dewey pile, somebody up there in that uh, war trucking. I think that's where you're going to start to see some of that business start to shift out that way. Wow. Like we said, a lot of history here, Todd. What surprised you in covering this story before we, before we wrap up here? What has really stuck out to you? What do you think the tale of yellow ends up being? Well, I mean, I think everybody will trace it back to uh, the acquisitions of Roadway and USF in the early 2000s. And just that that's really what kind of put it in a, a situation where it, it, it just took on a huge capital structure, a ton of debt to do that. Then it had a big global initiative to expand uh, you know, it was in over 50 countries at one point, a, a big Chinese logistics division. I, I think that's really where the, the problem started uh, for Yellow. But it, it, to your original question, I mean, in covering the story, I think, and, you know, uh, Mike talked about it, Matt talked about it, Zach, uh, everybody's mentioned, everybody with this company, we've, we've had this multiple times before, 09, 11, 15, where they appear to be on death's door. And I don't think anybody really believed that would happen. And when the regime changed at the end of 2002, uh, I'm sorry, 2022 last year, uh, when Sean O'Brien came in at the Teamsters and, and, and took this more uh, of a you know, hardline stance, uh, they, they weren't used to that. And I don't just don't think management adjusted to that and didn't uh, realize when they said no on this second change of operations and that they weren't going to put it through without uh, you know significant financial sweeteners, which you know the, the company didn't have. Uh, I, I don't think I think it kind of caught everybody a little bit flat footed to, to coin your term. Um, 
that you know the, the lenders, the the teamsters, somebody wouldn't bend over and and uh, you know give them a little give them a, a little bit more leeway. Um, I think that's been the biggest surprise. It got one that it got this far, uh, and and I think everybody's just shocked that this is actually going to happen. Logistics Life and Lessons Learned said we went through Black Monday, June fifteenth, nineteen ninety three. Will this Monday, July twenty fourth, be called Orange Monday? I think so. Sure. Well, sure probably, well, Mike, orange. Mike, what before we let you go, what Mike, what's your best advice to people out there? They're confused by this. Maybe they haven't made enough moves yet. They gotta do something and um they gotta handle their business. At the end of the day, you gotta protect yourself and you gotta protect your freight. Yellow to me, if I'm a small customer or if I'm even a shipper that's out there of any size, I'm taking a look and saying, Are they communicating with me? Do I feel like I'm getting an honest answer? Am I able to get a hold of my rep? And if you're not getting anything back from them, you need to go make that change. Because here's here's the reality. If they do go down on Monday and you have not made any adjustments, you're going to have a hard time getting a carrier one to come pick your freight up. You're probably going to wait a little bit or your freight's going to be stuck in a network where you're going to have to go file a claim or or get through. <laughs> Trying to get your freight off of a dock once they're closed down is a pain in the rear. Uh, anybody that's been through that, I, I, I pray for them and it's, it's not easy to go do. So for me, is really you never want to be part of this of of the of the problem or the solution that's going to take a carrier down but you do at the end of the day have to go protect yourself and your freight and your customers i hear you zach largest carrier in history going out of business market catalyst or not uh, i don't think this is going to be the one that really turns the market i think it's got plenty of uh, capacity available it will iron itself out like i said i think this is kind of the brunt of the impact of what we're feeling right now for ltl itself uh the truckload market the bigger market that represents a larger percentage of the overall freight moving in the united states does not seem to have been impacted whatsoever by this and i think that sector is more well positioned uh, for yellow uh, failing versus a ups strike which actually would be uh, a much bigger deal. Yeah. Matt, before I let you go, best advice for employees confused in this situation, they might want to seek guidance. You got to talk to your union stewards. Make sure you're keeping up to date with whatever people are telling you and the advice you're given. For folks that are listening to this call or watching this, this legacy of Yellow will be something we remember forever. SIA used to be part of Yellow. FedEx Ground used to be roadway package system. These companies' legacies will continue on even if the people who are running it today aren't there, the names disappear. This is American supply chain. This company is something that's been part of our supply chain since 100 years. It's incredible. And so for folks that are in this difficult position, 11,000 families lose health insurance on Sunday because Yellow's not going to make that payment. This is a critical moment in history, and everybody will remember where they were when Yellow ends up winding down. Wow. Great stuff, Matt. How do people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Armchair Addy or find me on LinkedIn, Matthew Leffler. I like to talk about supply chain and law. And, you know, this is an interesting space and I'm, I'm excited to see what happens over the next couple of weeks. Brian Hubert says in the comments, this week our dock has been so empty. Our city loads have been so small with losing customers. Well, next week's docks may be a lot more barren than that, buddy. I'll tell you that much. Mike, where do people go and find you and, and, uh, and get more of your great advice? Uh, go to mycarrier.io. Um, we're also on on LinkedIn at mycarrier. We put a lot of content out there. Uh, do, uh, we we follow what the truck all the time. We love your show, Timothy. Um, so just appreciate it. It's an honor to be on here today. Thank you. Thank you so much for providing your insight, Zach. You are the great co-host of Freightonomics. You do plenty of reports over here. Things like the Daily Watch. How do people find you? Yeah, they can find me on FreightWaves.com. Reach out to FreightWaves in any way possible. There's all avenues. Uh, FreightWaves lead down to me at some point. So just reach out to anybody there and I'll, uh, 
I'm sure that they can find me and uh, get in touch. And Todd, I'll be looking out to to FreightWaves.com to your next article on what the resolution to this is. Hopefully we know sooner than later that trial might be over. So let's all get back to it. Todd, where do people find your articles? FreightWaves.com. My email's there. Easy enough. Go find Todd. Hey, guys, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Uh, All of our best wishes and prayers to the employees over at Yellow who are caught in the middle of this situation. Look, freight can get disrupted, but no singular company is bigger than the industry. Freight will keep moving, as Zach said, and the market's so bad this might not even be a catalyst. Unless, as Craig Fuller said, UPS goes on strike to August 1st. Hey, stay tuned to the show. We'll be back on Monday at our normal time, noon Eastern time. we got a yellow driver on here and a bunch of great guests, like Luke Denny from Freight. Um, find me on Twitter, at Timothy Dunas, D-O-O-N-E-R. Follow the show at FW What the Truck. Take care, and don't be a stranger.